Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, welcome to episode 19. Well, thank you, Melissa. It's good to see you. How are you doing with uh, preparations for Christmas? Do you want my really honest answer? Yes, I do. Nothing. I've done nothing. What? (laughs) Nothing? Well, okay. Not nothing. We have a date for when my parents are going to go cut down their tree and they live in an apartment in our house. And I think we're going to live vicariously through them. So actually that brings me to the fact that we are not going to do a full out Christmas tree on our side this year. And that's normally how we do it when we travel for Christmas, but we're actually going to be home for Christmas this year. But there are ornaments. My parents get ornaments for the kids every year, and they have their ornaments from last year. So I'm looking for creative ways to kind of have some Christmas cheer in our house without a tree that could include ornaments. So if you guys have any ideas, like hop into our Facebook group or find me on Instagram or comment on the show notes for this or something. Help me out. That's a great idea. Our family, we do have a tree, which I'll tell you about that in a second. But we also, in our family room, we have a garland that we just artificial garland that we've wrapped with white lights. And you could always just hang ornaments on something like that. It's just around a doorway in our house. Yeah, we have a really big window, like one of those picture windows. Yeah, yeah. And so, I, and it doesn't have any window treatment on it right now. So I was thinking, like, doing something around that with and lights. I do want the like soft glow of the lights in the early right. morning. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm thinking, do I want artificial garland or do I want like, like a live, like rope, like rope of tree branches? I guess it depends on how much time or money you want to spend. Yeah. I think I want the beauty and the smell of the live, but not the cost or the hassle. Yeah. Just diffuse some evergreeny smelling oils. There's got to be something, right? Yeah. Siberian fir, Douglas fir. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, in contrast to that, we actually have our own little tree farm in our pasture. So we go every year as a family out into our pasture. We hike. I mean, it's not that huge, but we hike out to the back part of it, and we have a tree farm, and we cut a tree, and we carry it up to the house. So we did that last Sunday, and it was really, really fun. But it is different because our family's getting smaller, and some of our younger kids are less enthusiastic, let's say, about going out and picking out the perfect tree and all of that. But we did have a good time and it's in the living room and it has lights and it has not a huge number of decorations because only a few of our kids have hung their ornaments right now, but a couple more will. So that's how we do our tree. I love that you have your own tree farm in your backyard. Yeah. Well, in the back pasture. I mean, the back back pasture is what I meant. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we are going to talk about staying connected to our kids who are not living at home. And there can be a lot of different reasons for a child not living at home. Some are happier than others. Melissa, why don't you talk a little bit about some of those different reasons a child might not be living at home? Yeah, so reasons we have kids not living at home right now include kids that are grown, who are you know living not at home and have a job and are adulting, if you will fully Mm -hmm. launched kids. We have had 
kids away for educational reasons, whether it be college, Job Corps, Lisa, I know you said study abroad. So there's lots of reasons why our kids might be taking on educational experiences away from us. And then we also have a child who is receiving out-of-home treatment. So she's in a long-term respite situation. And so that one's a little bit harder to talk about, but it's the reality for a lot of our families. So mm-hmm. we have, we've had all of those at various times. What about you? So we, oh gosh, we've had, we've had college, we've had med school, we've had study abroad. Right now, one of my daughters is at Job Corps and she chose a special program out of state. So she's in Southern California. We have also had a daughter in residential treatment. You know, sometimes this has not happened for us that we've had an extensive medical treatment, but sometimes people will have a child who's having extended medical treatment that might keep them away from home. And then the last one, the one that's about to happen for us is when a child transitions out of our home, out of foster care. So, and she'll be with family and also becoming somewhat independent. So she gets added to my list of big kids that I need to intentionally stay connected to. Yeah. And you used a word there that I know has been really true for me is it does take a lot of intentionality to stay connected to kids who aren't in your home, especially when you still have kids with high needs at home. And both of us have that where we have kids out of the home and then kids with high needs still at home. We have to really focus and think about the ways that we can keep them connected to our family, because even though they're not living with us, they're obviously still very much a part of our family. And Weirdly, I don't know if your kids experienced this, but our kids that came to us at older ages through adoption were very, very concerned about turning 18. And they had heard in their orphanages that at 18, you know, your family was going to kick you out and they weren't going to help you anymore. Or if you move out, they won't be there for you anymore. They have very black and white thinking about how they're connected to us. And so it's been really important to us to kind of just be able to help them switch their paradigm and kind of prove them wrong that just because they've turned 18 or that they're not living with us, that they're very much a part of our family and we still stay in touch. And that's even been important for our kids who haven't turned 18 yet to see how we treat our kids who have turned 18 and our ability to keep them wrapped into the family fold, if you will, has helped decrease their anxiety about what will happen when they turn 18, which has been huge. Yeah, I think you're right. In terms of being intentional, I find that it's, I'm so busy and focused on the kids still at home that it is hard for me to remember. And it's not for lack of love by any means. I mean, I adore my big kids, but they're not here. And so it's easy for me to just be churning along in my schedule and my routines and meeting lots and lots of needs. And gosh, when we were doing deep therapeutic parenting, I just had nothing. I had nothing left. And so some planning helps a lot. When our daughter first started receiving out-of-home treatment, it was really hard for us to connect via phone. There was a lot of hurt still. She was still really fragile and It was toxic, really, for us to be on the phone together. It got very volatile very quickly. Emotions were very high. And so our very wise therapist said, you know, I think you need to 
you know, what she said is slow down the relationship a little bit, which I thought was such good terminology. Like the phone had such a quick reactive turnaround. And so she suggested that we start writing letters back and forth to each other. And, you know, there's something about the amount of regulation that your brain has to be in to write from that perspective. And then, you know, there's this time you get a letter, you read it, you process it before you respond. It's a much slower process than a phone conversation. And so letters have really turned into our main avenue of communication. And when we first started, I, you know, I just kind of wrote a letter when I thought about it. And honestly, with craziness at home, it was not super often. And I was still kind of licking my own wounds and it took a lot out of me to even write the letters. And, you know, then it came, of course, the accusation of, you know, you said you would write and you never write. Well, of course, it wasn't that we never wrote, but I started to kind of think about that a little bit and realize that just like our kids need structure and predictability in every other aspect of their lives, of course, she would need it for this aspect. And so I realized that she needed predictability in letter writing from in the way that letters came from us so that she could know when they were coming. It would take some of the anxiety out of it. It would take some of the anticipation out of it. It would help the expectations be more realistic. Um, And so I just committed to writing her once a week, the same time every week so that she would receive a letter about the same time every week. And I do it on Friday afternoons, but it could be, you know, whatever day of the week you want. And I literally have to put it in my calendar so I don't forget. And so that's one of the ways that we've stayed connected. And, um, and I think, especially if you're staying in touch with a child who has attachment challenges or hasn't been with you, you know, since in utero, we need to provide a predictable stream of contact, even if it's not super deep. And the letters that I send are not, you know, soul bearing, you know, We don't tackle big things via letters, but it's just quick updates about what our family's doing. Sometimes it's just a picture I color for her or maybe an encouraging quote or scripture, but pretty simple. Yeah, that's so interesting. The difference between um, phone versus letter, you said these two words, is the difference between reacting and responding. You know, when we're in that verbal communication or sometimes even text when it's going really fast, we can just react. And we do need to slow down and we need to respond. And our kids are so sensitive. I mean, they are, you know, they're very sensitive to what we're saying, either our tone of voice or different things. I, I like that. I like the fact that you did that. Now, when Calcadon was in residential treatment, we had scheduled weekly phone calls with her. And then we also had scheduled Skype therapy sessions with her and her therapist. And um, so those were predictable. And the hard part for me with that is it couldn't be scheduled around a time that actually worked for me. (laughs) I had to work for all of them. And, you know, that was difficult because the only time that she was available because she had school, even though it was within the treatment program for the first year, they wanted to do it after school, which was awesome, except I had five other kids. Well, I had more than five other kids at home. So that was really complicated, but it was good. It was predictable. That was, you know, and then we did some sessions that were not at that time of day, but anyhow, yeah, that was important. 
I think we're still trying to figure out how to stay in touch right now with our daughter who left for Job Corps. I, you know, I don't, I haven't quite figured it out yet. I'm working on texting. I was doing kind of a regular texting schedule and then um, I wasn't sure that that was really working. So anyhow, I'm very much in the process of figuring that out, but she'll be home for Christmas and we can talk about it together. Yeah. And I would say, you know, there's this push and pull, especially with kids with attachment challenges. And so I think they want us to fight for them, even when they're telling us with their words and all of their actions to leave them alone. And we had that experience with our daughter, one of our other daughters. And, you know, her words when we would reach out could really be hurtful. And like you said, texts are just as quick as voice sometimes. And there were times when I wanted to just throw in the towel and be like, I'm, I don't need this. You know, this is really hurtful, but there was this little tiny voice. And I don't know, maybe it's the adult adoptee in me that said, don't give up on her. You know, she needs, she's waiting for you to give up on her so she can prove that she's not as worthy as she thinks she is. And someone needs to keep fighting for her. And even last week, you know, Stacey Manning talked about, you know, being your child's one and only or whatever, and that we were our best chance of our kids healing. And so it really took a lot of emotional work for me to continue to stay in touch. And again, I didn't ask questions. It would just be really innocuous texts like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about you. Um, you know, something that didn't really need to have a response. And sometimes it got a nasty response anyway, but that daughter's back with us now. And when she got in a really hard place and she needed a safe a safety net or a safe place, you know, Lisa, you talk about secure bases. We had kept in touch just enough for her to know that the door was still open. And I think that was really, really important, at least for us. And we, we did come to a point where we had to make a decision in that crossroads, like, do we want to have an open door or not? And so I think every family has to decide, you know, there's lots of reasons, some of them safety, some of them otherwise for, you know, what goes into that decision. But that was, you know, the right thing for our family. And, you know, I'm really glad now that we kind of stuck it out. That's good. Those are, those are wise words. I'm, I'm glad you said them. What other things are you guys, you guys have some other technology things going on with your older kids that, and we're not quite there yet with ours, but what's working for you guys? A lot of my kids, I text, we don't tend to group text very much because we have a few kids who are renegades and have Android phones. And so they tend to drop off the, if we get too many of us on the group text. So that doesn't work for us. We tried that for a while. You know, with my individual kids, I text with them more than I call, but as several of my adult kids will call me when they're driving home from work. And so that tends to be the time I hear from them. They're driving home from work or like my son will be walking between the hospital and a clinic or something like that. And he'll call me and, and chat when he's walking. So that's great. I can't always have a good conversation because of the younger kids who are at home, but it is really, really nice when they do that. Um, in terms of sort of a fun thing, my kids started a family Snapchat group. And I actually don't use Snapchat. I don't enjoy Snapchat, but it is great for the family. That's the only thing I check is just my family Snapchat. Because especially with... Um, my daughter's fiance, we didn't get to meet him until they'd been together for quite a while, but he was actively involved on the family Snapchat. So we would see him and we'd hear him talk and we'd see what he thought was funny. And, you know, so that was a really fun way to get to know him. I felt like he was very familiar to me before I actually met him in person. 
they also would sometimes FaceTime with us. And FaceTime's great for the younger kids, I would say, because my boys will take my phone and FaceTime with one of their adult siblings. And that's a relationship we haven't really talked about yet is the importance not only of the adult kids staying connected to us, but staying connected to their younger siblings. And so that's been a, a nice way to keep them connected is to have them FaceTime. And now Wagayu has been known to send multiple Snapchats to the family and he uses all the funny filters and, or does goofy things. And so that's kind of funny, but some, I have to limit how many he's allowed to send at one time because he, he, he's a more is better kind of guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love that because I know some of the other things that I think are cool for staying in touch with people like Marco Polo and Voxer, you know, may not be so cool. And so the fact that you might have to jump the gun and do something that's you wouldn't normally do, like a family Snapchat group, because that's where our kids are. And so sometimes, again, we have to go to where they are. They're not going to always do what we want to do. Do you want to explain what Marco Polo and Voxer are, just in case people don't know? Yeah. So Marco Polo is like a video messaging app. So it's really great, especially like I really wish my nephew had it because he used to live with us and he doesn't live here anymore and we all really miss him. And so I think, especially because he's still kind of little and it's a little hard to understand him on the phone, but basically it's like leaving a text message for someone, but it's like a quick video message. And so it's fun to see faces or, you know, show people where you are if you're traveling or something like that. Um, And then Voxer is really similar. It has texting, but then it also allows you to leave quick, just voice messages. It's almost like a walkie talkie, but you pick you know, the messages up, they don't have to be live. And so that can be really convenient, especially if you're trying to keep up with adult kids who are really busy, you know, like our son works really crazy hours and his weekends aren't our weekends. He's off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so I like that because sometimes you just, it's easier to talk to someone than it is to, you know, type it out. You know, you can hear the voice and I drive a lot. And so obviously I can't text while I'm driving, but I can Voxer while I drive. Uh, Melissa, you introduced me to Voxer and to Marco Polo, actually, but we use Voxer, the two of us, every day, practically. You know, we're sending messages back and forth to each other about things we're working on with the podcast or the website or just sometimes just life. And I really enjoy Voxer. Marco Polo, I haven't really ventured into yet. So we'll see. We'll see about that. And Voxer, if you're both on the app at the same time, it's pretty much like instant delivery. So I was just having a a conversation with another homeschool mom a couple nights ago and we were going back and forth, but, and every once in a while there was a longer delay while she like, you know, tended to one of her kids or, you know, got something for the baby. And at one point she said, we should probably just jump on the phone. Cause we were literally like back and forth, back and forth for like a half an hour. And then she was like, but actually this is just easier because, you know, it, we could drop it and pick it up if we needed to. So it, it is, I wish I would have had it when my kids were little and I was trying to have adult conversations with toddlers running around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, for kids who live semi-locally, but not necessarily at home, our family has a tradition of uh, family dinner, Sunday family dinner. And we've been doing that for many, many, many years. And the kids and their friends know that there will be a good dinner on the table on Sunday. So we have some sort of borrowed adult kids that are part of our family. Our daughter-in-law's sister lives locally and She's part of the family. And then our sons have, well, my son's best friend is also very close to all the rest of us. And he often is here. And then my daughter, Anna Rose, is in college and she often brings friends when she can 
home for Sunday dinner. So I, what I like about that is I feel like it's an anchor for our kids that they know, generally speaking, that there will be a Sunday dinner. And that's been a really good way for us to keep in touch. And every once in a while, we'll make a little video or a FaceTime thing with some of the kids who aren't here, mostly to make them feel really bad that they're not with us, but not really, not really. <laughs> yeah, I, we do, we don't do a weekly thing, but you know, my parents live with us and my siblings are local, but not like they're regional. So they're not like super, super close. And so I was telling Lisa, you know, we're a pretty big family between, you know, our six kids and then, you know, my brother and his girlfriend and my sister and her fiance and her son and his son and so we, you know, often do a family dinner. We're not big birthday people. Like we don't do birthday parties for our kids, but we do try to all gather around for at least ice cream cake, you know, or whatever. Um, and so every time we have like a family something, and we also all have airplane days. That's what, how we celebrate our, you know, some people call it family day or adoption day. So um, within my generation and then my kids' generation, there are seven of us with airplane days. So when you add up all the birthdays and the airplane days, we get together for family dinner, you know, fairly often. And so we do, we, you know, my brother always gets an invite if there's going to be a family gathering and my sister is, you know, invited obviously. And so it is nice to reconnect and, you know, have a reason to come around and just catch up and, you know, make sure that we're keeping in touch with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I want to circle back to something we were talking about, about being intentional and actually putting it in our calendars to stay connected to our kids. I do that with prayer. I have a schedule for my kids of who I'm praying for on each day because I have so many. And, um, you know, of course I'm praying for everybody, but I've started to try to connect the day I pray for them with the day that I reach out to them. So, um, you know, it, it kind of makes sense for me and it can, it keeps me going on keeping in touch with everyone, you know, and that yeah. kind of me. I like that. You know, this might sound really terrible, but the other thing that I love about my phone is my texting app allows me to schedule texts. And so sometimes like when I'm thinking about someone, you know, I'm usually, it's either early morning when I'm like sitting down with my cup of tea and my Bible, or it's as I'm winding down at night, you know, in this sp- when you finally have spaces in your day and they're not always really conducive times <laughs> to text someone, you know, cause not everyone gets up at six o'clock in the morning or not everyone stays up until 1130 at night or whatever it is. I try really hard whenever one of my kids pops into my head or just even a friend really um, to send a text. But if it's an inappropriate time to be texting, I just schedule it for like the next morning or later in the day. I'll have to see. Can you do that with an iPhone? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know either because this happens to me all the time. I wake up super early. So my daughter, Hannah, who lives on the East coast loves it because she can message me and I'm up because I'm up so early, but I can't send a text to Anna Rose who lives in the same town at four thirty or five in the morning. <laughs> in fact, she sent me a text yesterday morning or last night late after I'd gone to bed asking if we had some Christmas lights that they, she and her roommates could have. And so I got the message not that many hours later because she sent it late and I got up early, but I was going to message her back, but it was, it would wake her up. And so then I thought, Oh, I'll do it later. And then I forgot, you know, so I like that idea. I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. You need to look into it. It's literally yes. saving my life right now. <laughs> 
The newest thing that our family is starting is a online monthly family meeting. And so it's sort of like a video conference call. We're going to, we use something called Zoom, which is a free app you can have on your computer or your phone, right? You can do Mm -hmm. it on your phone. Yeah. Yeah. I always use my computer for it. And that's how we do our podcast. We record it and we work together using Zoom so we can see each other while we're talking, which is part of why maybe it gets a little too conversational sometimes because it just feels like we're hanging out together. But um, this Sunday, we're going to have our very first Zoom family meeting. And with Zoom, we can have a lot of people. Melissa, do you know how many people you can have on a Zoom meeting? It's 100, Lisa. So you need to keep adopting, you know, honorary family members. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I figure by the time everybody gets married in and stuff, we'll have have plenty of people, but it, um, it is free to use. I think on the free version of Zoom, your meeting can only be 45 minutes or something. Is that right? 40 40 minutes. So there you go. You have a natural, like, cut off. (laughs) Yeah, you get 40 minutes for your weekly or monthly or whatever. So we're going to do a family conference call. And the really exciting thing about this is it's actually being initiated by a couple of my adult kids. They want to start doing this because we're changing up how we do our family holiday together. So anyhow, I'm really excited about the idea of doing that with keeping in touch with the kids as a whole group. Because, you know, I'm talking to different kids all the time, and but it's not it's really rare that we can all talk together. So I'm looking forward to that because it's good for the hard things and the good things, you know, everything from planning Christmas to talking about somebody being sick or not doing well or grandparents or whatever it is, you know, so it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm excited to know how that goes. We're not quite to the point where we have either enough people out or I don't know, right now um, our son who's kind of adulting in a city close by still comes home almost once a month and spends the night for a night or two. So we're not quite where we need family meetings yet. Although I feel like maybe we just need them internally for our house because I will tell you, like by the time you, I tell my husband or I tell my mom, like, you know, we're going to have ice cream cake for Ty's birthday. And then, you know, I, I say it like four or five times and I figure surely everyone knows in the house. And then all the time. There's like one person who was like, no one told me, how come no, no one ever tells me anything. So clearly we need like an internal system for just the people living at home. <laughs> yeah. We, we have that problem too, actually, that, that still happens with us. So I think it's a learning process and I think our families are growing and changing and, you know, with kids moving out and coming back, kids maybe going away to treatment and coming home. That's a big one. Kids going away to college and then they're home for breaks and things. So there's just a lot of, I think we have to be flexible and have some fluidity in how we do it. But I, I think it all comes back to Melissa, what you said at the very beginning about being intentional because our children are so dear to us. They're so wonderful and important to us. And we want them to know that. I don't want them to feel like they're forgotten. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I think it's also important to remember now, you know, we're calling this staying connected to kids not living at home. And a lot of times, even in connected parenting with our kids living at home, we interpret the word connected to be like actually connected, you know, whether it be emotionally or, you know, how we keep in touch. But I think it's important for us to stay attuned to our kids too. And so our kids living 
away from us have different needs and different levels of needs and they're in different places. And some of them are away for really healthy reasons and some of them are away for a little bit harder reasons. And so it's really important to, again, just be in tune to what your situation is, how your child's doing, you know, what the push and pull is there. And, you know, just, and along with being intentional, be sensitive to, you know, your individual situation and, you know, what's healthy for everyone. Well said. Thank you. So, you know, we'd love to continue this conversation in our Facebook group. Uh, We love to connect with you guys there. We're going to try to be on there more, you know, maybe even with some live videos. We've, you know, there's some rumors that there might be some live videos coming. So, you know, if you're looking to connect with other families, other moms who get what you're walking through, who you can ask a question to and really feel heard, um, not feel dismissed or like, you know, oh, that's just a teenage problem or that's just a toddler problem. All toddlers do that. Um, We know that you guys are living through situations that really are atypical, even though other families may be able to dismiss them as, you know, just a stage or, you know, different things. And we know how important it is to feel heard and feel like you're with other people on the journey doing similar things. And there's something super, super therapeutic and cathartic about just being understood. Um, You know, moms tell me a lot of times, I just feel lighter from just knowing that there's people out there who understand. And really their situation hasn't changed. They've just gotten community around um, their situation. So we would love to connect with you in our Facebook group. Um, You can just search on Facebook for the Adoption Connection and we have a page and a group. Um, And the group is really where all the cool things happen and where you get little inside peaks of what we're doing and get to connect on a little bit more personal level. Yeah. In fact, we have never done this before, but we're going to put the video of this zoom recording on our group so that people who want to actually see the conversation and not just hear it are welcome to see it. And also if you're thinking you might use zoom for your family or something, you can hop on and see what it looks like. So we're, we're thinking about how to, go a little deeper with our group and how to be more connected with people there because we love these moms and we love being community together. And Melissa and I benefit from it so much. So anyhow, we want to spread that a little further. So please join us. We'd love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. And really, like Lisa said, this is really just as much for us as it is for you guys. It's We gain a lot from your encouragement and you know, we have some really smart mamas in our group who provide us a lot of really good tips that every time we reach out about something, they always show up. So before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as the adoption connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember until next week, You're a good mom, doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.